name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar. Let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, merciful Father, In holy baptism, you declared us to be your children and gathered us into your one holy church in which you daily and richly forgive us our sins and grant us new life through your spirit. Be in our midst, enliven our faith, and graciously receive our prayer and praise through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith in Christ, let us pray to the Lord. this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, And for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. For these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 26th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus came with the disciples to a place called Gethsemane and said to them, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he said to them, he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? 
Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled? that it must happen thus. In that hour, Jesus said to the multitudes, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this night from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The congregation during Lent has the privilege of dropping in on the Didache divine service that began already in September and continues now through Lent. We return tonight in our catechesis to the Lord's Prayer, resuming our discussion of prayer begun a number of weeks ago before Lent began. Jesus' teaching of his disciples to pray involve both words and example. Every day they observed how Jesus prayed, not just corporately with the congregations in the synagogues or in the temple, but how in the early morning he would wake up and retire by himself and pray. And in the evening, he would also go off by himself and retire and pray. And they observed this regular practice of Jesus without fail, and he prayed throughout the day, and they came to him, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John the Baptist taught his disciples. And in Luke chapter 11, we hear that Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gave them the very words of the Lord's Prayer. There was no guesswork. When you pray, say this. And Jesus' catechesis of the twelve in giving them the Lord's Prayer 
teaches us some fundamental truths about Christian prayer. First of all, it is based upon the foundation of God's Word. Think about it. Every petition of the Lord's Prayer is first a promise of God to us before it becomes our prayer. God speaks promises to us in the Lord's Prayer. That's what gives prayer its certainty. He's commanded us to pray in this way, and he's promised to hear us, I know I'm praying according to God's will because I'm praying the prayer that he gave me to pray. Prayer rests upon the foundation of God's word, the certainty of God's word. We will recite that in a moment, the very conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, what is meant by the word amen. Yes, yes, it shall be so. He's commanded us to pray in this way, and he's promised to hear us. Jesus' catechesis also indicated that prayer is the voice of faith. You see, faith comes by hearing the word, and then it creates trust in the heart, and prayer is the voice of trust, the voice of faith that claims those promises. Our access to God is through Christ Jesus, what he has done for us in his suffering and death. We are the baptized children of God. As such, we have a holy privilege to cry out to him as dear children cry out to their dear father. That was Luther's explanation to the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. So our access to God in prayer is not based upon our goodness, any work of our own, our status in life. It is based entirely upon what Christ has done for us, and we're joined to him in holy baptism so the our Father, that pronoun, our Father, the most important person in that pronoun is Jesus. We're joined to him, not just to one another, but to him. And it's through Christ, his blood shed for us, that we have access to the throne of grace in prayer. Our prayers regularly falter because our faith wavers. Our hearts are so often filled with doubts. Tonight in the catechesis, we're going to talk about temptation under the sixth commandment and deliver us from evil under the sixth petition and deliver us from evil under the seventh petition. Jesus faced those things in the Garden of Gethsemane. You heard the temptation from the devil essentially to him. You can't trust God. He's not to be relied upon. He doesn't love you. But in the face of temptation, Jesus remained resolute. And he cried out to his Father in prayer with a voice of absolute faith and confidence. Where our prayers waver and falter, the prayers of Jesus do not. And the strength of our prayers does not rest in our piety, but in the Lord Jesus and in his faithfulness unto death for us. So let us talk about the sixth and the seventh petitions specifically tonight and then conclude with a meditation upon the passion reading for tonight, Jesus' fervent and earnest prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. So I invite you to answer the questions from the catechism. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us 
so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. I have underlined for you some key words and phrases from the Catechism on the sixth petition. The first word is temptation. I think many Christians don't really grasp what the essence of temptation is. It's not simply some inclination to break a rule, to break one of the Ten Commandments. At the heart of temptation is this. Any word, any voice, any inclination, any feeling, any tug or yearning pull that says this to us, you can't trust God. You can't depend upon him. You can't rely upon him. He is not trustworthy. You can't trust God. This is why the catechism begins its explanation. God tempts no one. No matter what is happening in your life or mine, as baptized Christians, you belong to the Lord. God tempts no one. He is never saying to you, no matter what you're going through, he's never saying to you, don't trust me. Quite the opposite. Every word and every promise of the gospel invites us to trust in him. The one who alone is trustworthy, unlike the evil one who is a liar and murderer from the beginning. So understand that about temptation. At the heart of temptation is that voice that says, don't trust God, which means at the heart of sin is really unbelief, mistrust, doubt. False belief, you see, that's listed here. What is false belief? False belief is any trust of the heart that doesn't rely solely upon the Lord Jesus, upon who he is and what he has done for us. So to look anywhere else for our good in life, for our security, for our deliverance from the problems of life, to look anywhere else but to the Lord Jesus and what he has done for us is false belief. So it doesn't have to be an organized religion. I mean, the religion of secularism, the religion of secular humanism, the religion of simply relying upon oneself is a false belief. Understand something about the devil's temptations. When he tempts us not to trust in God and he tempts us to break the Ten Commandments, for example, he doesn't particularly care what sin we commit because his objective is to destroy faith. That is to say, his objective is to undermine the comfort and the consolation that we have through faith in Christ. And so he tempts us to sin so that he can then rub our noses in our sin as Christians to such a degree that we despair of our faith. That's the other word I have underlined for you. What is despair? Despair is the sense that there is no hope for me. That all is lost. There's no way I can be saved. It's what would cause Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, to commit suicide. He believed that there was no hope for him. And he took his own life. Shame is related to despair. 
to be ashamed of oneself, to believe because of the sins we have fallen into that our conscience is so wracked with guilt and evil that it is impossible for Christ's blood to cover my sin. That's shame. A refusal to accept the idea that the Lord loves me and freely forgives me for Jesus' sake. You see, that's the devil's objective in his temptations not to trust in the Lord, to ensnare us in sin, to drive us to despair and to shame. And then great vice, what is that? That's a kind of bondage or enslavement to sinful behavior. It's what I might call give up-itis. In other words, I have the struggle with sin. I don't seem to be able to overcome it, so I must simply give into it because this is what I am, the poor, miserable sinner, and it manifests itself in drugs or alcohol or some other enslaving behavior. That's temptation. That's what it leads to. That's what the devil has in mind to do to us. And that's why the Catechism concludes this explanation by saying, although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. Let us move on to the seventh petition. What is the seventh petition? But deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation, and finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Now, I've underlined the word evil under the seventh petition because here, too, I think too often Christians just think of generic, impersonal evil. But we have to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against thrones and dominions and principalities and the powers of darkness. So Satan, the personal fallen angel, the being of Satan and his evil demons are out to destroy faith in Christ. So when you pray the seventh petition, but deliver us from evil, you can say to yourself, the evil one and all of his minions and all the evil that he has succeeded in bringing into the world through mankind's fall into sin. With this, you need to understand that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature mentioned under the sixth petition are allies of the evil one who is out to destroy faith. Because there is no faith in the devil. There's no reliance or trust in the devil. He knows who God is, but he does not trust in Christ. He does not worship him. The world, there's no faith in the world except where there are Christians. There is no faith inherent within our sinful flesh. So those three are allied with the evil one out to destroy faith in Christ. And I have underlined for you every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. One of the great functions of hardship, of suffering, of enduring losses in our lives, 
is that though not pleasant, it's at those times where our unbelief is exposed, where the things that we tend to trust in rather than our Lord are made manifest to us. When we suffer the loss of our bodies in sickness, our possessions are stolen, the house burns down, our good name and reputation is assaulted and dragged through the mud and no one respects us any longer. It's at times like this where we find out who our God really is and who we really trust in. And that's why this world is called a valley of sorrow. But here again, this explanation from the catechism concludes, when our last hour comes, we're praying that God would give us a blessed end. What is that? It is to die in faith and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. Our Lord Jesus, in the passion for tonight, wrestled with temptation and the assaults of the evil one as he bore the sins of the world. And what he relied upon more than anything else, singularly focused upon, was the promise of his Father. That's why we began by talking about the Lord's Prayer. First, it's God's Word before it becomes our prayer. And so I ask you, what is meant by the word Amen? This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. Today's Passion reading describes one of the most intimate descriptions of Jesus' love for his Father and also his love for us. What did he say to his disciples? My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Jesus was carrying all the sorrows of the world in his body and in his soul. The world's sin, all of it, was laid upon him. He was facing the condemnation of hell. The Father loved him, and yet the Father who loved him would pour out his wrath upon him. What a mystery, what a paradox. Down to the very fiber of his being, Jesus carried the weight of the world's sin. And every evil that mankind's fall into sin brought upon the world. What we just talked about in the catechism, false belief, despair, great shame and vice, the evils of body and soul, possessions and reputation. He did not commit these sins, nor did he contribute to these evils, and yet he would pay the price for sin, the full price, by his death and the shedding of his blood. He would experience the full weight of being forsaken by God in his death upon the cross. This was the cup 
Jesus was called to drink. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. To feel the Father's wrath. Who can comprehend the enormity of Jesus' sorrow, the magnitude of his suffering? It is spoken of in the book of Lamentations with these words. Behold and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which has been brought on me, which the Lord has inflicted on me in the day of his fierce anger. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. In the book of Hebrews, it says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, that is to say, without unbelief, without mistrust, without accusing God of doing wrong. There is not a sorrow in your life that you have ever had or ever will have that Jesus does not know down to the soul, every fiber of his soul and body. So we learn much from Jesus in the Gethsemane account about prayer. If prayer is the voice of faith that trusts in God, even when it feels as if we are forsaken by God, then Jesus is the man of faith. And he is the man of fervent and devout prayer that does not fail. And so I said at the outset, the strength of our prayer is not in our piety. The strength of our prayer is in the faithfulness of Jesus, in his faith. And in his prayer. And this is such very good news for us. Jesus is the man of faith. In his prayer, he cries out to his father. And in his prayer, he entrusts himself to his father's will. He believes that his father is good. Even though it will mean for Jesus the most horrific suffering. Still, he believes the Father is good because he trusts in the Father's word. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. No matter what he experiences, he holds fast to that truth. Because he loved the Father, Jesus rightly desired to remain in full communion with his Father's love. So Jesus rightly prayed Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. To believe that God's will is good. To believe that God's will is right. To believe that God's will is full of love and salvation for us even if it calls us to suffer, to die, to be stripped of all the earthly pleasures, that is faith. Prayer is the voice of faith that asks of God to preserve us in his faith and love, even though we experience 
the sorrow of suffering and death. In his prayer, Jesus rightly desires to remain in full communion with his Father, yet willingly yields to the Father's will, not as I will, but as you will. Why did he pray this way? Simply put, he trusted in his Father. Even though every other support in heaven and on earth had been stripped from him, he trusted in his Father. You see why I say the strength of our prayers is not in our works, in our piety, in our religiosity, in our strength of believing. We are beset with doubts and fears on a daily basis. The strength of our prayer and the access to God with certainty in prayer is through the merits of Jesus. He had the Father's promise, and he held fast to that promise. He knew that the Father's will was good. It was for the salvation of the world. And he shared his Father's nature, self-giving, sacrificial love. So he yields to his Father's will in his prayer, believing the Father's promise even in the face of the blackness of death and hell and the Father's wrath poured out upon him. As we said a moment ago, temptation is any and every voice that tries to convince us you can't trust God. So we pray, lead us not into temptation because God tempts no one. No matter what we are experiencing in our life, no matter how dark things get, no matter how much suffering there may be, God never abandons us, never. Nor does he turn away from his promises, ever. And we learn this in Jesus' faith and in his prayer. God tempts no one. So we pray to be delivered from temptation, and through the grace of our Lord Jesus, to win the victory. The victory that overcomes the world, the Apostle John says, is faith. And faith's object is always singularly focused upon Christ. As I said a moment ago, Jesus can sympathize with your weaknesses. For he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. That you and I may come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain the mercy and the grace of our Lord Jesus to help and deliver us in our time of need, and that includes when we know not what to pray for, when we know not how to speak. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. As the Father heard Jesus' prayer, and as God the Father preserved Jesus from temptation and delivered him from evil in a state of humiliation by raising him from the dead, the grace of our Lord Jesus will do the same for you. And that is of inestimable comfort. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see the frailty of human flesh, don't we, in the disciples. The disciples could not watch, not even for an hour. They fell asleep. They didn't have the strength you and I would have done the same thing. 
they easily fell prey to the temptations of the evil one. You can't trust God to save you. So one of the disciples steps out of his rightful vocation and he takes out his sword and he lops off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Their spirit was willing. The new man in them wanted to be faithful. But their sinful flesh, the old Adam, was weak. And when Jesus was arrested, St. Matthew records, they all scattered and fled. But while we see the overwhelming sorrow that Jesus was carrying, even to the death of the cross, and though we see him endure unspeakable pain and suffering, he never wavers in faith. And he remained constant in prayer for you. That's our comfort. And that's the strength of our prayers. Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And a third time, he prayed the same words. So when Judas arrived with the detachment of troops, be sure of this, Jesus was still carrying the sorrow of his soul even unto death. But his heart was singularly fixed upon the Father's will. His prayer was heard. And in calm resolve, Jesus declared, Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Going where? To the cross. This is what I must do, because this is the Father's will. Thy will be done. In our prayers, we say words over and over again. It's important that we understand what they mean. To pray, as we always do, through Jesus Christ our Lord, means that though our faith is weak, and though our prayers so often falter, yet for Jesus' sake, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our prayers are heard. And his grace and faithfulness for us in his prayer is our comfort and assurance in our prayers. It is only through Jesus' faithfulness unto death for us that we learn to pray as he did. Not my will, but yours be done. So let us stand for prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, lead us out of temptation. Guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. Father in heaven, rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, give us a blessed end and graciously take us 
from this valley of sorrow to yourself in heaven. Give this comfort of eternal life and salvation to the family of James Weber, who mourn his death. Heavenly Father, you have commanded us to pray according to the promises of the Lord's Prayer and have promised to hear us. Give us firm faith in your word so that we pray with confidence saying, yes, yes, it shall be so. Take into your fatherly care the sick and needy, those who are widowed and orphaned, the homeless and the homebound, the lonely and the forgotten, and all who are in any trouble, temptation, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity. Comfort them, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may patiently endure their afflictions and acknowledge them as a manifestation of your fatherly will. Preserve them from faint-heartedness and despondency and help them to seek you, the great physician of their souls. If any pass through the valley of the shadow of death, do not allow them in the last hour for any pain or fear of death to fall away from you, but let your everlasting arms be underneath them and grant them a peaceful departure and a joyful entrance into your eternal kingdom in the resurrection of all flesh. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love, shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally. Because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of all creation, for you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. At your command, Abraham prepared to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice on the mountain. Yet in mercy you provided a ram as a substitute. We give you thanks that on Calvary you spared not your only son, but sent him to offer his life as a ransom for many. As we eat and drink his body and blood, grant us, like Abraham our father, to trust in your promise now fulfilled in Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, 
And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you body and soul in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace.
hymn 773. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you, body and soul, in the true faith unto life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen.
us pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.